Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome into episode 63 of The Grid, the show that Matt Stepp is a fan of, according to our own Mike Foreman. I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me, per usual, Mike Foreman. He is back with us, and Sam Fowler is here as well. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's how I'm going to introduce the two of y'all. <laughs> We're excited for Mike, and then Sam's here as well. Um, so my, Mike took the week off from covering Texas high school football. Uh, a little bit, we touched on it last week. I knew a little bit of an accident, but he's feeling better today. He's in here with us, and Sam and I are here to fill him in on, on all that he missed. And uh, Mike, so I got, before we get going, I want to ask you because you're on Twitter, you're seeing everything that goes on. What was it that most stood out to you from the area round of the playoffs? Well, I, I think first of all was uh, Sam's game, Edna. I was uh, I wasn't shocked that Edna won, but the way that Edna won was very impressive. Yeah, it was. Uh, and um, otherwise, um, not to me, of course I. I was a little bit surprised that that Refurio won, was such a lopsided that they won by seventy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I expected them to win handily, but that I was also unsure what to expect for Calhoun. That was impressive. Um, I don't know too much about Barnett, um, and otherwise, I I don't really think there were too many surprises uh, the other night. Um, Quero, Hampshire, Finette, I knew that would be a tough game. And uh, so, but I, I'd say the biggest surprise for me would have been uh, the way Edna played. Yeah, so we can start there, Sam. That was that was your game this week, and we were just talking before the show started and going through Thursday night, and I, I was at the Ganado game in San Marcos, and it's getting right about the halftime, and I'm looking through Twitter, okay, what are some scores throughout the state, throughout the area? And Edna was up by four touchdowns going into half, and or five, I think, or was it four? It was a twenty-eight nothing or like thirty-five nothing. I can't. It was it, it was thirty-six nothing th- at the half. Yeah. So and so I remember getting those updates, and I was just like, "This is you know, kind of like what Mike said. Not shocked that Edna won the game, but they won by forty. They won forty-six to six. That nobody saw that coming. No, no, and that's something we had talked about before. The game last week, you know, Edna, Edna's really good. They've got a lot of talent, and, and they can do a lot of really good things, and they can excel, but sometimes they get in their own way. This That didn't happen, although you look at the opening drive, Jaden Clay, high snap on the first play from scrimmage, then they get backed up, they're forced into a punting formation, and on their rugby punt, uh, Clay looked like he had some room. He was able to get, get some yards, but... Came up a yard short, turnover on downs, but Edna's defense stepped up and got a stop, and they were just able to roll from there. Cade rode us over a hundred and I think over 150 yards. Their defense limited Jordanton to 180 something yards of offense, and that's a really good offense. A lot of people uh, had Jordanton picked to come out of that region, and Edna came through and. They looked like the Edna team a lot of people expected. The Edna team that was ranked for for most of the season. I mean, they were top five in the preseason. Yeah, they, this was a team that coming into the year, into the year was viewed as a legitimate state title contender. Yeah, and I think 
I think they they wanted to they wanted to sit and they wanted to show everyone, hey, they're still here. They're not they're not to be forgotten and they got the win and it's going to set up another really good good matchup with industrial uh, that we'll get to, we'll probably get to that a little bit later but yeah we'll no. talk about that at some point the lavaca river showdown part two yeah that'll, that'll be a fun one so uh, one of my games is what most uh, maybe shot probably shocked would be a correct word here and it was victoria west and harlingen south and kind of similar to the head in the situation not shocked that west won Talking to the coaching staff last week, talking to the players, talking to people in the Valley and just different things. I came away from it thinking, okay, this is about a coin flip game. And I remember telling Mike, you know, my, you know, Mike and I talk more now that he's not here. He wants all the updates. You know, my feeling was a couple drives into this game, we'll see how the line of scrimmage play is and we'll know. But I viewed this as a coin flip game. You know, it could, go, could really go either way. It was never a coin flip game. 56-20 to 20, and the game wasn't even that close. West just throttling Harlingen South, leading wire to wire. And it's – West is a team that – and I, I wrote about it and it's up on – it's up on the Advocate site right now. They, they they took some tough losses in non-district. They played a couple of really good teams. Alice is still playing football right now. San Antonio Davenport still playing football right now. They, they beat Beeville by like, four, by like 35 last week. I mean, Davenport's a really good team. But they took their lumps in non-district. They took more lumps in district play. They lost a tough game to Miller, who they faced this week. They lost a tough game to Vets. They lost a tough game to East. And it's games that it's, you know, they just thought, man, if we didn't make this mistake here or we got this stop on that third and long or we, you know, we catch this pass or we don't get that penalty, they feel like the game goes the other way. And it feels like now all those little mistakes they were making over the course of the season are they have that they have that all corrected in at least in these first two playoff games they've kind of turned the tide a little bit they're not making some of these mistakes they're just kind of going downhill playing football and gosh this offense when they when they go and do that they look like i mean they put up 115 points in the first two playoff games the second most of anybody in 5AD1 it shows you what when they're executing at a high level, what the Victoria West offense can look like on the Sam, I think you know that as well as anybody because you covered them for years around here. Yeah, it's it's exactly what head coach Courtney Boyce loves to say: labor on Labor Day to give thanks on Thanksgiving. He said that after he said that to you after the game on Saturday, and you're able to see it. This is a team that got a lot of experience. They saw last year what it took, and it goes back to last year's area around lost brownsville veterans memorial then you know they they went up against the buzzsaw team and and you know and they they took they took the lessons from that and that team that came back they understood what it took they understood going up against the davenports going up against the alices you know some of those teams and the millers that's that's going to set them up for what they want to do obviously they wanted to compete for a district title but you know in the end the the district title isn't isn't the main trophy that people care about. It's, it's what you do in the postseason, and you're starting to see it. It's I feel like this. I feel like this is probably one of the more seasoned Victoria West teams that we've seen probably since the 2020-21 year, Mike. When when they went yeah. to the third round last time. Yeah, and it, it also points out another thing. And well. You say about that labor on Labor Day. I think he got that from Mark Reeve, who I'm sure got that from some o- older coach. Uh, coaches have been saying that for years, and it's true. You labor on Labor Day to, to, to give thanks on Thanksgiving. 
But also points out another thing about the playoffs is your draw. Draws are so important. Because look at Victoria East. I mean, they finish ahead of West, but yet in the second round, they get the district champion. I mean, you talk about a buzzsaw PSJ North team. Bay City is sitting there thinking the same thing. We had to play Kilgore. Why Needville, who finished below us, gets an easier match, and Needville's still playing this week. I mean, it's just a lot of it is the luck of the draw. It, it's the luck of the draw, and also in, in the case of what we're saying with Bay City and then the Victoria schools as well, their sister districts, who they're paired with for the first round, are not very good. So while you want to win your district, you want to win yeah. as many games as possible. You, you'd you much rather be, you know, East finish 7-3, and three, West finish 4-6. and six. Now, some of that's a non-district stuff as well. But 4th and 2nd in district, well, East and West, they were going to win their first round games regardless yeah. of where they finished in, in the district. As long as they made the playoffs, they were winning their first round game. But then you get to that second round, and it's going to be first place for second place theoretically. But West knocked out the first place team in the sister district, so they're getting a second place team in Harlan and South rather than the district champions in PSJ North. And you saw, I mean, PSJ North, they looked like, and we can go and kind of pivot to that game now. Gosh, they are good. And, I mean, you, Sam and I touched on it last week. Marcus Kaufman, the head coach at PSJ North, offensive coordinator at McAllen Memorial, when a young stud, if we use that term loosely, Gabe Myers, was roaming the halls over there. But it, PSJ North, you, Again, whenever it's a Valley team that's really, really good, that's dominating people like this, it's, well, are they are they Valley good? Are they, you know, how good are they really? Are they just kind of beaten up on lesser competition? PSA North is massive at the line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive line. They have three interior defensive linemen who are who would be the biggest defensive linemen in the Victoria Schools district. Massive on the defensive line, very good on the offensive line, defense that plays physical and aggressive, and I think we touched on it in the podcast last week. PSA North's going to run straight, and they're going to keep running straight until you can stop them from doing that. And East just didn't have the manpower. They didn't have the physical size and strength to really stop PSJ North from just turning around, handing the ball off, and going forward. Well, talking of, you were talking about, you know, are they just beating up on, on Valley teams? I mean, I think we've seen Valley teams get a lot better over the years, but also at the same time, we talked about it before before the podcast, You've got to beat who's on your schedule. Yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes that means, hey, if you're PSGA North, you know, you're down there as far south as we can go just about. You know, you're not it, – it's not necessarily feasible to travel up and, and go play. Um, well, I mean, they're not going to be playing the Duncanvilles and the North Shores and the DeSotos of the world. I would love that, though. Oh, that oh that, that would be great. And I tell you that this PSJ North team, they believe, hey, we could, you know, and Alito is kind of that's the team in five AD one. They believe, hey, we get on the field with Alito, you know, we're not out, we're not outclassed. We're not. And talking to you know Coach Reeve last week during the week, he's like PSJ North ranks seventh in the Dave Campbell's poll. He's like, that's not an over exaggeration. That's an earned and deserved ranking. And you watch him play on the field. My takeaway from watching the East PSJ North game, I was at that one as well. It was not, oh man, East just fell flat or played poorly. Or and of course there were things that they would admit they could do better. And of course they could do better. But I think a lot of those mistakes were forced by the guys on the other side. But it wasn't that. Victoria East just played badly or the moment was too big for them or anything like that. They just ran into a team that was 
bigger, stronger, faster, and more talented, which happens the deeper you go into the playoffs. That happened last year with, with Victoria West against Brownsville Veterans Memorial. And, I mean, it, ju- it just happens. I mean, like we said, the yeah. luck of the draw and sometimes well, luck of the draw. Well, and then also Veterans Memorial, too, we should point out they, they defeated uh, – Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi veterans. You know, and uh, I know there was a lot of talk about that East Veterans Memorial game of uh, maybe Veterans Memorial not being too sad to lose that mm-hmm. game because they didn't have to face PSJ North. Mm-hmm. Well, they got Veterans Memorial, and they got knocked out well, too. Well, in Brownsville veterans, they are, with the way they play their style, Sam, you saw it firsthand last year, they're a tough team that on a week's notice prepare for. And we talk about the luck of the draw and – I like to think like styles make fights. It, it, you're exactly right. The, yeah. I mean, you think about it—that triple yeah. option that they yeah. run. You you can easily game plan for a spread offense, but whenever you have to start game planning yeah. assignment football, you've got really three days to plan for it. That's not and if you haven't time. and if you haven't seen it all year, I mean, it's just not enough time. And this is—I want to say this about West, and as far as taking it the other way, so. In the first round of the playoffs, they get the the South San Antonio district. Well, nobody in that district runs a spread no huddle. And West, not only do they run spread no huddle, it's not like they're running spread no huddle and just dropping back passing 60 times a game. With Kamari Montgomery, they're running it and running it at a really high level. And all the, the offensive line knows what they need to do. They're getting, as soon as the play is snapped, once Montgomery is by them or once the quarterback throws the ball down the field, if you watch closely, the offensive linemen are looking to the coaching staff on the sideline, what's the next play? So 12 seconds later, they're getting up and snapping the ball again. South San Antonio district teams don't play that tempo of offense, so San Antonio Southside was not ready for that. The same with Harlingen South in the second round. In There are Valley schools that do run the spread. Not in that PSJ North and Harlingen South district, though, and certainly not at the level that Victoria West does. So again, three days to prepare for an offense that's moving at a breakneck pace. You, we can talk about you know level of competition or how good you know how you know how good certain teams are, how good certain players are, what level the teams here are at compared to other parts of, and other parts of the state. The one thing Victoria West unequivocally does at a really really high level is the tempo with which they run their offense. They do it at an exceptionally fast pace. They that's the one that's the one thing that watching them all year, it's like that they do that as good or better than anybody else really in the entire state. And if you haven't played a team that emphasizes tempo like that, boy, it can be a long day for you defensively. Yeah, they're they're definitely a a proponent of make sure your kids run track in the yeah. spring. They want they want to make sure these guys are in shape, even if, even if they're not competing. You know, yeah. they want them out there doing doing the track workout so they can they can go out and, and run yeah. at that kind of a pace. Yeah, this Miller West game is one I'm really looking forward to. The players looking forward to it. We'll talk about that one in a minute. But one the other another game that was again not shocking as far as who won, but shocking as far as the way it played out was Ganado and and Mason and Josh Irvin. If you're listening, we love you, the Victoria Advocate man. No, we, we every we know this. So Josh Irvin had uh, he had some things to say on the uh, you know they beat number they beat number nine Mason undefeated number nine Mason in the area round and Ganado hasn't been ranked all season despite you know only two losses being to a really good East Bernard team in three A and the best or second best team in two A Refurio so that's what Josh Irvin had to say following uh, following Ganado's win on Thursday night. 
the action. For sure. I, I, within the building, we think we're a really good team. Um, we we do use it as a little chip. We laugh every week for whatever reason. Uh, Ganado's not well liked in the media and, and outside of the local area. Uh, there's no love for us, but it is what it is. We just come out, just keep winning, and and uh, let the scoreboard take care of itself. Well, they can love you or not, but y'all are playing in the third yes, round. Right, How's that yes, feel? Uh, it feels great. Feels great. Like I said, anytime, anytime you get to play Thanksgiving week when school's out, uh, it's truly a blessing. It really yeah. is. Uh, Josh, we respect you over here, man. We respect you over here, but Ganado, man, thirty-seven to twelve over Mason and. Sam, we talked about this game last week, and it, you know, you had said, you know, the punchers like that, you know, they live up to that mascot, they live up to that moniker, they they will come at you. Sam Ganado was physically the better football team. They uh, line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive line, they were winning the battles up front. They were dictating the the physical terms of the game, and more so than the score. That to me is what really was impressive about Ganado in this one. Yeah, and that's kind of what you have to do when you're going up against a team like Mason who loves to play physical. You've got to come out and you've got to deliver the first punch. You've got to you've got to get them on their heels and capitalize on that. Ganado did just that. Great game plan for them. And you see it, Ganado's going back to playing it on Thanksgiving week once again. Yeah, and I, I think that Mason, that reputation that it lives on is not quite accurate now. It was when they were winning state championships. Now, if you look at them, they are very much, I hate to say finesse, but they have a lot of speed. They have those guys at the state track meet and the relay that were on that team. But what they don't have is those big physical linemen that when they were winning those state titles. So I w- the finesse is not the word I would use, but yeah. you're right about the speed. And yeah. I had talked to you yeah. after the game. Man, the, there, it wasn't that I watched the game and thought, man, Mason's just an untalented football yeah. team and Ganado beat up on them. No, those Mason ball carriers got the ball, and you thought, gosh, they make one guy miss. They're yeah. just going to keep on running. But th- there is a lack of – the level of physicality at the line of scrimmage that from talking to other people around us say from what their reputation is, mm-hmm. it's what the the quality at the line of scrimmage is not quite what it has right. been in the past. And Ganado, you know, Ganado, who is proving to be through 12 games this season, they're proving to be a really, really good football team. They, they had a higher quality at the line of scrimmage, and that's the reason why they, they won that one. Just an impressive, impressive performance from the Ganado Indians, but it was a good uh, it was a good area round for us here at the Advocate. A lot of our local teams did well. Calhoun handles Burnett 42-14. Again, we talk about triple option being tough to prepare for. Calhoun, that's a team I don't want to see in the postseason just because of the style they play. That that's no fun to go against on three days to prepare. Yeah, that's why they've that's why they've had success in the postseason. I mean, like you said, styles dictate a, dictate the fight and Guess what? You you get three days to prepare for that discipline uh, triple option from Coach Whitaker down there. I mean, it, it's 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 tough. If you're able to do it, you're you're sitting there. It doesn't matter if it's by one point, three points, or what. You're just happy to get out of there with a win if you're able to get the better of them. But mo- more times than not, we see Calhoun come yeah. out and stun yeah. people. And I think uh, I'm curious about Alice because these teams are familiar yeah. with each other. So Alice is obviously knows what it's facing. And Alice has proved to be a pretty explosive team. So uh, the thing I, I've always noticed where Calhoun runs into trouble is when they play a very athletic team. Mm. Because 
even though they'll break some of those runs, if you've got the athletes, instead of those runs going for 40 yards, they may go for five because you can catch them. And uh, that's I'm not saying that Alice has those kind of athletes, but that's where Calhoun and teams like Slot T and Option will get into trouble, I think. Obviously, though, you have teams like Liberty Hill that have proven over and over again that you can win with a slot T. The uh, again, Alice gonna have to defend that on a full stomach from the previous day being Thanksgiving. So that hey, just game within the game, little thing to watch for. Well, there was one time in high school we played we played a third round game, and it was after Thanksgiving, and we had to practice in the we practiced in the morning, and. Our head coach Kevin Flanagan and, and staff they all told us, "Hey, don't don't eat too much. Like, you know, if you want to go for thirds, maybe just limit that. Stay, <laughs> stick to seconds. Two don't. plates. That's all you get. Two plate max. Yeah. In fact, uh, Mickey Finley, when he coached here at East and at Quero, he used to have practice Thanksgiving night." He would let his players have Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yep, I like that. And because he told me, he says, if I bring them in in the morning, they're going to go home, stuff their faces, nice. lay around all day, do nothing Friday until <laughs> the game, and they'll be, you know, you can be lethargic. <laughs> Maybe so, that's why we lost that third-round playoff game back in 2009. <laughs> so, so, no, I'm telling you, you know, because I'm covering Victoria West this week down in Corpus Christi. Two-plate max for Gabe. I'm going to be on my A game covering that one this week. Two-plate max for Gabe. I'm getting the leftovers, and we're going to have a heck of a Saturday after Friday night. But two-plate max for no, Gabe Myers. You need to go to Barreras this time. I, I actually that is on that is on the agenda this time. I'll be a solo traveler, so I'll have some more, a little bit more freedom. But Cal or Quero beating Hampshire Finette forty four thirty three. Quero they just don't get an easy path into playoffs. But I think some of these games could be good for them. They didn't play a ton of close games in a regular season, so they're getting they're getting that now. They got a big one against Jasper this week. Goliad forty one twenty one over Hondo. Goliad's uh, you know. That momentum just keeps building for them, district champions. And, you know, if they win the next round, they get a district showdown in the in the regional final. Speaking of that district, Industrial beating unde- previously unbeaten Universal City Randolph 38-21. How about the Cobras? They're setting up a, a showdown with their arch nemesis, Edna, in the regional semifinals. That'll be at Bay City. Tidehaven, another shutout. Gosh, that Tidehaven defense is really something serious. 41 to nothing over Dilly. Dilly and Poth, Tidehaven's potential regional final opponent, they played a 10-7 overtime game this season. So if we want to do some box score scouting and football math doesn't work, as we know by the Edna Jordanton game from this week, but you want to do some football math, that tells you something there. Refurio, 77-8 over Johnson City. So I lied earlier. I said they won by 70. They won by 69. Uh, God, they, you know, Coach Herring over there, he's got to pick it up. You know, they got they got higher standards. All serious, all seriousness, though, Refurio looks really, really good. In other words, the sky is the sky is blue, the grass is green, ice cream Water's tastes wet. good, water, yeah, all of it. Uh, and then Weimer, how, shout out to Weimer, twenty eight to six over Lavia. They'll be heading into the regional semifinals. Hey, shout out to Weimer. They have turned things around this season, Mike. Yeah, they have. They're running the slot T as well. Uh, run the ball, baby. That's right. They run the ball. They've had uh, the quarterback and two backs that are uh, – they had one back over 1,000, uh, the quarterback and another back right around eight, 900 yards. So uh, 
that's uh, the slot team for you. And they're, uh, of course, you know, uh, they're going to face an athletic team in Refugio. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. And, you know, while we're talking about Weimar and Refugio, you know, they're playing in Ferris in San Antonio. And here we go again. I mean, I don't know. I've been to Ferris Stadium on Black Friday, and that is not Mm -hmm. something you want to do. Because Ferris is way over there, you know, by past UTSA mm-hmm. on the loop. You got to fight that traffic. Oh, especially I, at La Cantera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, have fun. Yeah. And I mean, now I don't know if Victoria was hosting or not. I, I would have to check with Spencer on this one. But the, that game. And the Tide Haven Industrial game, those games should be played. Or Edna Ed, Ed, Industrial. I mean, Ed, Ed, yeah. Industrial. Those games should be played here. And the reason it's not, if it's not because VISD isn't hosting, which is possible, it's because the stadium. Yeah, that, I mean, those would be ones that we'd love to have here. But again, it'd be very convenient. Yeah, it'd be nice yeah. for us. But again, shout out to Wade Griffin and Weimer. Yeah. Nice turnaround job he's doing. he's doing over there. We did have some seasons end, though, this week. Bay City and El Campo both saw their seasons end. Beeville as well. And then Shiner fall into Holland. That'll be one that uh, Ganado's going to attempt to get back this week. So some seasons ending. But we got, you know, we got 10 area teams in the uh, yeah. in the next round. So that'll be really, really fun for us. We're going to talk about those games right after we hear this message from White Trash Services. Stay tuned. We'll be back some, with some previews. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area. High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 361- Five five zero one eight two six. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, eight to five during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we are back, episode 63 of The Grid, talking about round three of the UIL playoffs. And guys, we got to start locally with Victoria West. They get their rematch with Corpus Christi Miller. And I can say this now, because we're at this point. When the brackets came out, when when all the pairings were there, and you see how it works out, the West players quietly were looking to this week. The goal at the beginning of the season was to play Thanksgiving football. And they were looking at this week. The Miller loss four weeks ago. It stung. They they were hurting after that one. They were looking, you know, we win we win our first two playoff games. You know, Miller's probably gonna win their first two playoff games. We get them again in round three. And that's what and that's what happens. The West Warriors facing Corpus Christi Miller in 
what I anticipate will be another shootout. Last game was 52-45, to 45 and I don't think this is going to be one of these games where you got two really good offenses and they played earlier this year, and now the second time around, the defense to take over the game. Nope. First to 50 wins this one. I'm, ex- I'm excited for it, and I'm interested to see. You know, I think West is a team that's grown up a little bit in the last month or a lot in the last month. Miller, what improvements have they made? You know, there's been four game or three games played since the last time they played each other. Teams get better. This one's going to be down in Corpus Christi. I am interested. To, I'm interested to see how this one plays out. Sam, you you've covered West before. You've you've seen Miller in the past. How have you? Se- you know, I watched earlier this year. There was I think it was 1,200 yards of total offense and 97 points that went up on the board. Um, and I, I, I feel like it's about on par for these two teams matching up. Is your phone going to be charged up? It, it, it'll be on a charger. Yeah, you're you're gonna need that because you're gonna be busy with stats this week. Because I mean, <laughs> the the way West, the thing West has really um, impressed me with is their 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 growth in the offense. I mean, like you said, now they're moving up tempo, they're moving fast, and it just seems like they've gotten better and better and better each week. Plus, the defense has come along, and I think that that kind of complementary football is exactly what they need and I feel like they might be a few steps ahead of where they were last time they played Miller they might be ready and and, and the key is going to be what what changes is Miller going to make in, in anticipation of West growth and you know it, it's going to be interesting and I think I think you're in for for one heck of a game yeah I think it's going to be a fun one so these are the things that I like just snapshot what I remember from this game four weeks ago Miller's Broderick Taylor. West has to, they're not going to stop him. They got to figure out a way to contain him. He had I think it was 260 yards rushing and it it was like 9 yards a carry, something ridiculous. They have to figure out they're not going to stop him, contain him, don't let him single-handedly beat you the same way teams like Kamari Montgomery and say we can't let that guy single-handedly beat us. So you well, look- Yeah, that I mean, that's kind of been that's kind of been the thing for West. That's kind of been their Achilles heel is stopping the run or you know like you said you're well, not, they're, you're, they're not very big on the defensive right. line but still you got to find a way to like you said contain him he mm. he'll get he'll get his stats he'll he'll get a few he'll get some touchdowns yeah. but limiting you know instead of three or four yeah. touchdowns maybe hey one or two force you gotta you gotta find a way to make them get the ball into other people's hands and beat you that way. Yeah, it, it, it can't just be, oh, if we hand him the ball, we know he's going to get us at least eight yards. That's what can't happen. There, for West, there's some signs of encouragement because Harlington South is a team that runs the ball and does it creatively and does it pretty well. And West did a good job of forcing him into some third and longs, getting them behind the sticks and you know really kind of taking over that game. So it will be a similar thing. The other thing I remember, there, there were two plays specifically – there was a fourth and ten. Miller chooses not to kick the field goal. For, I mean, fourth and goal from the ten. Miller chooses not to kick the field goal. They run a screen pass and they get in for a touchdown. That's seven points on the board for Miller. And then West, after you know they get they they get I think they got a sack or it was a tackle for loss. And then Miller had a couple of penalties, so they're backed up into a third and thirty. And Miller hit and Miller hits it for a touchdown on third and thirty. And those two plays, that's fourteen points. Final school final score was fifty two to forty five. And that wasn't there were a lot of third and longs in that game. The third and I mean, third and thirty just really sticks out. But there were several third and longs, some fourth downs in that game. West had opportunities to go and get off the field, didn't do it. Those are ones that if they are to win this week, 
you get them into third and 10 plus. You just have to figure out how to get off the field. And that's something the first two rounds of the playoffs, West has done a better job of than they had in the regular season. But this is going to be their toughest test defensively. We're, we're going to see how just how far that defense has come along. So can they stop the run? Can they get off the field on third downs? I don't really doubt their ability to score. Uh, these are actually the two highest scoring teams in the 5AD1 playoffs. Miller's put up 126 points in two games, 77 in round one, 49 against Edinburgh Vela in round two. Victoria West, 59 in round one against Southside, 56. Last week against Harlingen South, 115. This is going to be a shootout. Wouldn't be shocked if we see 100 points on the board in this one. I'm excited for it. Lavaca River Showdown, guys. Edna and Industrial. And I think, you know, six weeks ago when this game was being played, I don't think we believed we would see this matchup again in the postseason. Mike, you're kind of shaking your head over there. I don't think any of us really believed it, but here, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, we assumed Edna would be there. Of course, we also thought that Edna would be the district champion. Right. And Goliad uh, stopped that. So uh, that set this up in a way. Um, I think it, what it says, what, what I'm seeing here is uh, – the value of uh, competition. Um, Randolph, you know, I went back and looked at their Randolph schedule, and uh, Randolph had some impressive numbers, but that when you looked at the opponents, they weren't as impressive as what Edna and Industrial are playing. And I think that makes a huge difference when it comes down to it. And, of course, you know, Ashton Garza is, is a tremendous athlete. And uh, he makes them go. There's no secret about that. So uh, we'll see what they he can do. Of course, we know what Edna can do. I mean, it's just how does Edna – is Edna going to play that night? I think it's always that way. Yeah, and that, that's what Jimmy Mitchell was basically telling his team last week after the win. He was saying, you know, all right, hey, this feels good, you know, but this is this is a product of work. And so, all right, we did this. This is good. Let's move on to the next game, put in the same work, and try try and get back to where we want to be. Which for them, you know, like I said last week, when they played Franklin, they felt like they were they were close to maybe holding Franklin and, and advancing to state. But you know, they they shot themselves in a, in the foot a few times, and that cost them. So I think we saw last week that this Edna team's the real deal, and now the 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 focus has got to be for them going out and putting two good games together like like they played last week. Yeah, I saw your video on that. In fact, I, now that I think about that, I remember your video on Jimmy speaking to the team, and uh, he was right on with that. I mean, uh, it, he and I know he's been trying to get that across to him, you know, for the last two years, really. Look, guys, we are very talented, but we still have to go play. And I think if they can do that, then, you know, who knows where they can end up. Yeah, and this being a rivalry game, I think it's this could potentially set up very well for Edna as far as being a team that's dialed in. Because Industrial's a rivalry game. These seniors now, you cannot, you know, on both sides, you can't let them end your season, end your high school career with a chance to go to the regional final. You can't let them do that. That's what Ashton Garza is saying. That's what Jaden Clay is saying. We cannot let them be the ones that, you know, end our run. 
And then if you look ahead potentially to the regional final, a potential rematch with Goliad who beat you and kind of, you know, they kind of embarrassed you in the regular season. 21 to 6. Edna only putting up six points. What the I mean, that doesn't even sound right. So you look at it and or if it's not, if it's Blanco and it's not Goliad, it's well, Goliad beat us. Blanco just went and beat them. We have to be the best version of ourselves. So I think for Edna, this these next couple of games are setting up really well for them to not take anybody lightly to be focused and locked in. And then once you get after that, you know, whoever comes out of region three, you're looking at Columbus, number one team in the state and then state championship game. So this, I, I don't think focus and getting the kids to play, it should not be a problem at this stage. Now, not the getting up to play, but the execution yeah. Yeah. really tough. Execution. I mean, yeah. when you're, when you're, when you're that age and, and you've got all that adrenaline flowing, I mean, it's tough. It's yeah. tough to, to sit there and focus. Uh, I just think I think just with the way it's worked out for Edna, you're gonna see. I think you should see just a very dialed in, a very dialed in football team. So I'm, you know, I think it sets up very well for Edna. Let's talk about our boys over in Ganado, Josh Irvin. Another we gotta talk about Josh. Irvin. We gotta make sure we give Josh Irvin his respect, guys. Uh, I've been saying I've been saying it all year. I don't know. I, I know Mike wrote a column on him or something. Column on him or something. But I've I've been saying this all year. Uh, Ganado, another ranked foe, an unbeaten Holland. And if you want to, you know, like uh, stick it to the good folks over at Dave Campbell who make the rankings. Uh, how about knocking off another one of their teams, an undefeated team? In the rankings in Holland, who, you know, there should be some familiarity there. Holland just played Shiner, a team Ganado's familiar with from district play. But I am, Holland's almost, even after beating Shiner, there's a little bit of an unknown with Holland because they, the district they're playing is not the toughest district in the state, but they are undefeated. They have had some impressive results. That was a team there for our uh, football season preview for our tab. I was only the district preview over there, and the coaches in that district have said, we think Holland's going to be really good. We think they're going to be awesome. And that's, you know, that proved to be prophetic. Holland has been excellent this regular season. There's been nothing, you know, nothing to prove otherwise. And now you get Ganado, who is really hot, who believes they're really good. Bryce Ullman, you know, he is... I don't know if he's – I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the region, but he's one of my favorites to watch, just the way he plays. He, You know, he he's a tough guy. He plays cornerback as well. He likes to go in there and tackle and just – you know, you talk about a guy who's got that dog in him, as Sam and I were saying last week. It's Bryce Ullman. He's a fun, he's a fun guy to watch play. He's a fun offense to watch play. And I'm excited to see Ganado once again challenging themselves against – one of the top 10 ranked teams in the state and a district champion and someone who's undefeated. It's just like where we were last week with the Indians. I, th- I, th- I think this is a great opportunity for Ganado to really kind of embrace that, not necessarily a heel role, but uh, to quote wrestling terms, but, you know, they, they certainly don't mind being the underdog going in and knocking off, knocking off these ranked teams, you know, ending people's seasons creating some surprise and just kind of sitting there, are you not entertained? <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it's fun to see that Josh Irvin's done a great job with that team. You know, can't say enough about what he's done. Yeah, Josh, I mean, I first became familiar with Josh. Of course, he, he played quarterback at Bay City. And uh, the first time I remember seeing Josh in a coaching role, believe it or not, was uh, Bay City softball. He kind of took over the team. He wasn't the coach at the beginning of the season. I went and covered a game where they played El Campo, 
And uh, I was extremely impressed with how his kids played. Um, they had a great pitcher. She went went to college somewhere in Louisiana. But uh, that game was back and forth, and uh, those kids never quit. And I knew right then, I said, you could tell this guy can coach because he knew how to motivate his players. Well, his players love him, and, you know, you talk, you talk about a guy who can deliver, you know, who you know just believes what he says says it with bass in his voice. One of the th- this is what I there's a lot of things I like about Canado. One of the things that stands out to me, and Mike, you've watched him a couple times this year, so you've seen this as well. They are creative offensively. They a lot of pre snap motion. They get some formations. They have some interesting play designs. So they're very creative offensively. So that you know that speaks to Josh and that offensive staff that you know they got their head screwed on straight. They know what they're doing. They can get you know they can kind of scheme guys open and scheme some yards. And I think a lot of times when a team, if you would describe them as clever offensively, which is how I would describe it, Canado, they're typically a little finesse. They're typically a little soft. They don't want to get into a phone booth and duke it out with you. But Ganado does embrace the physical aspect of the game. So you combine this kind of creativity offensively with a quarterback and Bryce Ullman who can pull the who can pull the strings and do that and has complete command of the offense, but is also very tough and is just will put his shoulder down and get the extra yards. And you have, you know, you have a team who just culturally embraces the physical nature of the sport. I think that's why I enjoy watching Ganado so much. I think that's why we look at them right now. They're 10 and two and going into a regional semifinal game with full confidence and belief that they're going to win. I agree. Um, that's the way they play. They are physical and, uh, I'm sure that's uh, their that's their intention this week. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see you know follow Ganado's run in the postseason. It continues. We got some other matchups here in the regional semifinal round. Refurio is going to be taking on Weimer Falls City, making it to the regional semifinal. They'll go against up against Bremond, Bremond, Bremond. See, this is why I have the seasoned vets in here yeah. doing the show with me. Uh, Tidehaven and Rogers. Goliad, Blanco, Cuero, and Jasper. That's one we got our eyes on this week. And Calhoun and Alice, again, triple option after Thanksgiving dinner, man. That that just that sounds like no fun whatsoever. Yeah, Rogers, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about how good Rogers is. I know that Rogers, I don't think was the, I don't think it was the district champion, but uh, they've had some good teams. Uh, in fact, uh, they used to play Refurio repeatedly back then when they were in the same classification uh in fact uh, it's kind of funny one of the, the one game i recall was uh the overtime game that i think ended up was it 72 71 for furio uh yeah when uh rogers went for two in overtime and didn't make it and refurio came down and back then it well it was the first overtime anyways they kicked the point um uh, it's funny because uh, I was at a baseball game, a Weimer Shiner baseball playoff, and the Weimer coach Colt Mayorka came up to me and said, "Hey, were, did you cover that Rogers Refurio game?" And I said, "Yeah, why?" He said, "Well, I was the quarterback for Rogers." <laughs> so I mean, Rogers has had some good teams, and uh, we'll see how they can handle yeah. tight end, which has just been. They've been steamrolling. Yeah, they have. Haven's defense has been absurd. So a little box score scouting here on Rodgers. As we all know, football math works. You know, it always works out. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Rodgers lost to Johnson City 30-19 to earlier this season. Refurio beat Johnson yeah. City 77-8. Now Refurio and Tidehaven haven't played this year, but we've watched both teams. We kind of got a feel for what they are. So, again, 
Tide Haven favored to win that one, but there aren't many teams, if any teams, in 3A D2 that I would favor over Tide Haven yeah. at, at this very moment, simply because in football you must score to win, and more often than not, you just don't score on Tide Haven. And if you do score on Tide Haven, you don't do it a second time. So, <laughs> And I trust Joseph Dodd to, to find the end zone more than once So in a given game. So, I mean, gosh, you talk about – it's. it's Coming into the year, it was Baylor running back commit Joseph Dodds, an All-American candidate, and he's an exceptional player. And so, and we we all thought Ty Davis was going to have a really good season. So we thought, okay, it's going to be Ty Davis has a really good year, and Joseph Dodds carrying the torch and all that. The defense has been so good; they've overshadowed the level of player and the level of star Joseph Dodds is simply with they just don't allow any points. It's it's one of the craziest things because a, a player that level in this region, you think, okay, they're the star. They're going to be the poster boy of the team. He really isn't. It's this defense that is just smothering everybody in their path. Yeah, and it's funny. They used to have a coach there by the name of Carl Peters who uh, coached also at Rungi, some other places. And uh, he had an interesting uh, motto of his teams. He would say – he would always say – if you don't score, you may not win. But if they don't score, you won't lose. <laughs> I always thought that was funny, but it's true. I mean, if they don't score, you're not going to lose. So uh, you don't see that much these days, of the spread and these high, high-powered offense. Yeah. But to me, it always comes down to defense and playoffs. Uh, whether that means getting one stop, two stops, whatever. The team that's able to do that is – well, I think even in the game like Weston Miller this week that I anticipate again, it was fifty-two to forty-five last time. If we had that exact same final score, it would not shock me at all. Even in that game, you know, when they played earlier this season, Miller forced a turnover in the red zone, which again, in a seven-point game, that's the difference. So it, it it's not you know de, you know defense wins championships in the sense of you can't allow more than ten points or else you're going to lose. It's yeah. defense has to make a play. That's mm-hmm. whether it's a sack or a fumble or turnover tip pass, whatever it is, they got to make. Punt, you know? yeah, yeah. You, you, you get off getting off the field on third down. It's third and eight, and defensive lineman forces an inaccurate throw, and you're getting off the field. The defense has to make a play at at some point, and that's. Ty Davis' defense has made a lot, a lot of plays this year. So that's, that, I mean, that again, that's one another team you talk about interested to follow their path in the rest of the postseason. I just, you know, can anyone put up double digits on Ty Davis? Can can anyone break what's been an unbreak? You know, we talk about bend but don't break defense. This is this has been a defense that no one's been able to make them bend. I mean, they, they've been a brick wall that no one has even chipped away at this season. Yeah, you've got a team, though, up in Region 1 by the name of Canadian. Yeah. That uh, Ty Damon, Canadian. Yeah, that Ty, Ty Damon will, event, if it makes it to the state final, there's a good chance. Yeah. Unless Gunter, I guess, is in there. Yeah. But uh, Canadian has just been killing people. And, I mean, uh, they, Refuro got a taste of it when they played up in Reliant. <laughs> Um, or NRG, I guess. Um, they got a taste of it too. So, uh, but that's that's in the future. They can worry about that if yeah. they make it to AT and T. I'll tell you the game that I'm kind of interested in, and you know there shouldn't be any surprises in it. There shouldn't, you know, it should go the way that we expect it. But the Furio Weimer game. I mean, Weimer's had had this resurgent year. They're they're playing really well. 
uh, like Mike said, they're in the slot T going against Refurio, and even for someone as as good as Jason Herring is, you know, it's still tough to to game plan for for the slot T. Now I think I think Herring can get it done, but you know, if Weimer comes out and they they put some things mm-hmm. together, Mike, you know, at the slot T, you can you can chew up eight minutes of game time. Well, Shiner had some success doing that against Refurio this year, and this has not been a vintage Shiner team by any you know measure by any measure. But Shiner had what was it seven minutes on the first drive of the game? Yeah. They went down and took a bunch of clock off. So you know that's Weimer's game. Plan. Yeah, it's no question. Yeah, so Weimer goes takes eight minutes off the clock, forces a turnover or a quick punt. You get up two scores early. You don't know what you know. You don't know how a 17-year-old kid is going to react to that. Yeah, except uh, I, I have to point this out. Everybody points to that Shiner game about yeah. how close it was. Well, it, it, wasn't, it didn't have to be that close. Yeah. Refurio did not throw the ball as much as it could have. Well, and it, there was a reason for that because, believe me, if they had wanted to, <laughs> that game would have been a lot more lopsided than it. Well, and after that game, Mike, you made a really interesting point. I've started to kind of – when people ask me – because they inevitably ask me about old Terry Bussey up there over at Timpson and how that game's going to go down if and when it does happen in a couple of weeks. And they ask me about Refurio, and I say, you know what? The, Mike made a really interesting point that Refurio running the football, killing clock, doing some of the things they've done this season, which is not characteristic of them from years past. It's in preparation for Terry Bussey and Timpson. They just don't want him to touch the ball. And that's going to be their game plan. Yeah. And and you kind of you said that after the Shiner game and I've kind of now of course this week they went or last week they went 77 to 8. So it's like, "Oh, I look like an idiot for saying that now." But I think <laughs> I think your point after that game and what you're saying again now, look, they could have stretched the score out more than yeah. it was. Uh, but that it does feel like Refurio may be playing a little bit of a long game here. Now they got to cut down on the penalties as well. Yeah. Well, that, that a Shiner coach said that to me after yeah. that game. He goes, hey, look, I know what they're, they're preparing for Timson. That's what he said to me. And uh, you can see it. I mean uh, – you know, at the same time, you do have to win the game, and Sam's right. If Weimer's able to come out and control, maybe put an eight-minute drive together and score and get a lead, uh, things can become interesting. But, uh, yeah, I think that's right. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not pre- on upset alert. Right, I'm you're not, you're not predicting that, Weimer to win. It's just what's the path to victory? But, what's the path to yeah, victory? And, and that that's one of those stylistic matchups that that's always interesting. Anything with the slot T triple option always very very interesting to see especially against an offense like Refurio with Ernest Campbell with all the speed they've got. It, it's always interesting to see those contrasting mm-hmm. styles where Refurio wants the defending state champions in track they want to get out. They want to use their speed to their advantage, whether it's running the ball, airing it out. Meanwhile, you got Weimer. Hey, we're totally fine. Four yards in a cloud of dust. Right. Chew up the clock and and win games like they did against Lavia. Now that was a, that's Lavia. Everyone should know that <laughs> Weimer was always going to win that game. I mean, it was only a twenty-two point game, but you know the, that was never. It was never going to be in doubt. So no, the the stylistic. Matchup of of the Refurio Weimer game is certainly going to be 
really interesting. And also, hopefully, nobody gets <laughs> lost in the traffic on the 410 yeah, in, in San Antonio. And, and also, I, I did want to bring up Sacred Heart. I don't yeah. want to ignore them because uh, they're undefeated. They go up against Lubbock Christian. But what I wanted to point out is in last week's game, um, Nick Angerstein, who we've mentioned before, he kicked a 42-yard field goal into the wind. This kid is legit, I'm telling you. I've seen his film. Yeah, and not only that, he had two interceptions and two touchdown catches. I mean, he's doing it all for them. Yeah, Uh, I I didn't do that as a kicker. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, uh, I guess he also punts, but uh, he I think kicking, obviously, is his strong point. Uh, but that's pretty amazing uh, for a high school kid to be able to make a 42-yard field goal into the win. Well, no, I mean, I talked about it earlier. When, when Miller and West played earlier this year, Miller had fourth and goal from the 10 and went for it, yeah. which tells you the con- – and Miller is not a – they are a good football program. They are far from a bad one, which shows you even good football programs don't necessarily trust their kickers all the time. Well, I don't know how many teams I've seen that they'll just line up and go for two because they don't have a kicker. Yeah, it's 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 definitely not it's definitely not stressed enough at the at the high school level, but Mike, how many games have you seen in your career where oh, the, the special teams end up being the deciding yeah. factor, whether it's – and it could be something as innocuous as, oh, hey, a kickoff out of bounds or, uh, you know, a, yeah, it's a, a bad punt. You a know? missed extra point is mm-hmm. so critical because you're chasing that point mm-hmm. from that point on. And uh, I know, I know uh, people know about missed extra points. Just ask uh, – People were watching the Cowboys game and it bet the over. Oh, is that extra point? Yeah, that was the difference. I mean, uh, if you bet it late in the week, uh, if you bet it early in the week, you're okay. I've had some wagers. I've I've had some wagers on the. I remember a Chiefs Ravens one a few years ago, an over an over bet that didn't cash because of a Harrison Butker missed extra point. And he's yeah. one of the best kickers in the league. Yeah, but, so. uh, you know, and I, I mean, you look at Refuro, for instance, you know, uh, Keelan Brown is their extra point kicker and their kickoff. And he's got a good leg. He kicked, I think I saw him kick a 40-yard field goal. But when he has to line up and do the extra point after a touchdown, that's not easy because he's got to change shoes. Get out there! You gotta have a good snap, a good hold. Well, then what if he like he's just a, ran for a touchdown as well? Yeah. He's the one who runs it in, so you're running maybe 20 yards into the end zone and have to do all that. That's not a uh, again, not easy. Wait, he's got a square toe shoe to kick with? Uh, I think I don't know if he kicks. I think he changes shoes. Maybe he doesn't. But uh, if he does, know, that's impressive. I, I haven't uh, seen that. I have to kid. Uh, you know, I've kidded him because in the last couple of years. Uh, Refuro has always had a great kicker, a soccer player. Yeah. And they, this year they just didn't have one. Yeah. So Keelan, I mean, Keelan's a good kicker. but uh, Maybe that's what I need to start doing. I need to start giving lessons to that's everybody. That's what you that should. Is. I'm telling you, Sam. Uh, you do that, deep snapping, and, you know, even punting. Special special teams clinic run by Sam Fowler. I'm you, Sam, An advertisement it. coming to the grid soon. Because uh, – <laughs> Got to make money first. <laughs> I'll give you an example. Like uh, when I do the leaders, I used to do punting, but I don't do it anymore. And it's partly because I had trouble getting stats, but the other part of it, 
I would just require like a 32-yard average, which to me is decent, but nothing really special. And there were... I can do that today as a washed-up has-been. Well, then I'm telling you what, you could punt for a lot of these teams. I'm out of eligibility. Yeah, I know. You never know. You might get sneak in here. I think Boyce would take you on the West. I don't think they're going to punt very much. I might still have some college eligibility somewhere. Oh! Hey, I have to say this, though. One of the best punters I ever saw was Doug Drabeck, who Mm -hmm. uh, was a Cy Young pitcher for the... uh, But when he was in high school, that dude could punt. And I always used to joke when into UH, I'd always say... Hey man, have you told Coach Yeoman that you could? Is punt? Doug Drayback? Is he the guy to pitch for the Pirates? Yeah. Okay, so Mike can just come into this podcast and pull. Yeah, I saw Doug Drayback play high school football. Doug Drayback was in his heyday before I was born. Yeah. You'll get used to it one day, young. No, guy. no, I won't. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I mean, punting. I'm telling you what, Sammy, you ought to start a punting school because uh, they're they're. Boy, there are so many teams that need good punters. Gabe is still beside himself over there. I just love the direction this podcast has gone. But we're going to throw it to break because at some yeah. point we have to hear a message from Thriving Financial. And then we're going to come back and just see where the wind takes us. Episode 63 of The Grid. We'll be right back. Thriving is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. Welcome back into episode 63 of The Grid, and at the start of the show, Matt Stepp was a fan. I'm not sure he will be. He, I'm not sure he will be now. Not No rules, baby! <laughs> yeah, we get we get Sam in here, and Mike's off his accident, and he thinks he can do whatever he wants. Um, well, basketball season has started in the uh, in the crossroads, but and I thought, Sam, we talked about it last week. Because football is still going on, especially on the boys' side, it's hard to tell what any of these teams are. Like last last week I saw Campo play, but Oliver Miles and I imagine some other guys are still in football. So and they only had six, you know, they had seven players total. So it's like, hey, that's obviously not what El Campo is. You know, East you know, East has had four or five guys still playing football. Went and saw went and saw West as well. And West is, you know, they've had a couple of injuries and they also got guys playing football. So it's hard to tell what I don't want to make any conclusions in basketball in November, uh, I'm gonna let let things play out a little bit there, and certainly let some of the football seasons end before we really go all the way into basketball. At least see these rosters, you know, full with all with the full components. But we're heading towards Thanksgiving, and anyone who knows me knows I'm I'm a guy who talks about food a lot. It's actually the, it's actually the foundation of Sam and I's friendship. That that is actually true. <laughs> that, is, that is actually. Like how he says that. Uh, so anyway, I think, actually, I think Mike. I think Mike saw you, and he was like, "Oh no, this is Sam 2.0. So he's got two point like, I like it. You you so, said it, not me. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm still the original. Two, hey, I, I'm the better version. Uh, nothing, nothing beats the first. No, I'm, I'm the hey. You're saying the i. You're saying the iPhone one was the best iPhone. 
Come yeah, on now. The first one. No, no, no. What's the Barney Simpson thing? New is always better. How how, <laughs> how I met your mother. <laughs> anyway, on the subject of Thanksgiving, we're all like you know decently well traveled journalists or former journalists. In the in the case of Sam, uh, food food's going to be at the heart of uh, a heart of all of us this week. So we're talking about our favorite roadside or game day eats because Sam dropped a Barrera's reference earlier for fried chicken and was it Robstown, which is just outside of Corpus Christi, and I think that's a stop I'm going to have to make this week. But last week, I went to, I mean, you said it was a pro move, Sam, and it is. On the way to San Marcos, you go through Seguin, you stop at Burnt Bean Barbecue. Whew! Still haven't heard anyone say it's not the best barbecue in the state because it is. Uh, I think that takes the cake for me. That's my favorite. That's the second time I've done that, gone on a game day, gone to Seguin, and it's, I tell you, it hits. Uh, Sam, Mike, you're, you're a couple well-traveled gentlemen here. Talk to me about, uh, you know, you got a game day favorite. What is it? I, I mean, I imagine it's different in different places. Yeah, it is. And what, actually, one of my favorites is no longer exists. It was Crowfits in Bayside. Oh, yeah. And you could have gone there, unfortunately, on the way to Corpus. Unfortunately, you can't because it closed after the yeah. hurricane. But they had burgers they had some of the best cinnamon rolls that you've ever tasted. I miss that place so much. And, uh, you know, because on the way to Corpus, sometimes when I would go to Refurio, I'd even go the extra miles down to Bayside yeah. just to eat there. It was a great place. Uh, I'm not a good one to ask because a lot of times I'll just wait till after the game and eat it. Well, so you're, I mean, Dr. Pepper Icy's, that's yeah. your, oh, yeah. that, 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 that's, the, ne- that's the nectar of yeah. Mike Foreman. <laughs> I usually know uh, it, where to find him. In fact, a uh, funny story about that. Uh, I imagine Mike having a map on his phone, like, oh, this gas station doesn't have it, but if I drive 10 more miles, this one does. Yeah, I was in Weimar uh, for the uh, district track meet. And uh, the coach let me uh, ride in his office, you know, mm-hmm. which I appreciated. But what he didn't tell me is that the door would lock behind me, and I went to go to the restroom and came back and realized that I was locked in there. And uh, I think I had my phone. No, I had my car keys, but no phone. So I had to end up going to a gas station in Weimar and stayed open 24 hours. And what did I discover? An icy machine. So uh, there was some good that came out of that bath. <laughs> Uh, Sam, what's one? What's one for you that uh, in your in your past life when you were uh, when when you were doing this job? What, what's one for you? I've been I've been to so many places between uh, between you know working in yeah. San Angelo, uh, the San Antonio area, and down here. Uh, you know, there was I gotta think. I'm awful at remembering names, okay. um, but I know. One time that one thing that really made me happy uh, was I think it was I think it was twenty it was twenty nineteen I was covering the state the state baseball tournament Wall ended up beating yeah. Blanco and I was really happy because I got to go to Black's Barbecue a really good place now oh, Bl- Black's is really, really good Black's now, is really was, good now it's kind of become a chain and all of that uh, Kit and I. Uh, Kit McAvoy, former photographer, uh, we went up to the state softball tournament in 22, and we were delirious at this point because we had just been covering 
everything possible, you know, working so many hours. Uh, and softball was like, well, Kit ended up going to the state baseball tournament with Mike, but this was like our last big. I mean, you're one. at the end of the year at that point. Well, because we had Hallettsville and Weimar mm-hmm. in the state softball tournament. So we actually got to go to the original one in Lockhart. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, the original one lives up to the hype. Uh, you know, anytime I could go to uh, Cooper's, uh, I, you know, working out in West Texas, frequently going mm-hmm. down. To the Austin area, I'd pass through Lano, go to Cooper's Barbecue. Uh, there was one time I was in Austin. I went, I went to this place. Uh, it was actually last year, I think. Yeah, it was uh, Shiner versus Mason and Hutto. I stopped in Austin and I went to this pizza place. Totally forgot where it was. Now I gotta find. It. <laughs> um, <laughs> My friend, my friend Selena Alvarez. Yeah, I tell you, it's pizza. Here's my thing with pizza. It's even bad pizza is good. <laughs> oh, it always. There's yeah. a place in Odom, Up Dog, Up Dog Pizza, that I I went um, when I covered Goliad a couple of weeks ago. Goliad football, Up Dog Pizza in Odom. They do they do a Detroit style and a uh, and a New York like thin crust style. Both are really good. So I found I found it. It's called Home Slice Pizza. Oh, I know Austin. home. I know Home Slice. And I mean, oh my gosh! I know, the, I know, home slice pizza. That, that was that was some of the best pizza I've had in San Antonio. Never really got it for game day stuff, but uh, when my wife Carly and I lived in San Antonio, um, Big Lou's was right down the street from our house. We'd always get that. Is and, that the massive? Yes. Okay, I've been to Big Lou's. As you as y'all can tell, I eat food a lot of places. And then, and then also, <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, Barreras. You've got to go to it. I swear, it's going to be the so. Barrera, Barreras is one, and it, right after you mentioned it to me for the first time, like two or three weeks ago, I started hearing about it from more people. So now I'm like, okay, I'm I'm intrigued. And again, fried chicken's one of those things for me that it's like you know the simple like. I just want simple, good, crispy, juicy. Like, let's not overcomplicate it. But enough people have said enough good things about it that now I'm like, and you're, yours is an opinion opinion on food that I respect. And now I'm like, okay, like let's let's see what the let's see what the deal is here. Have you been able to go up to Shiner and get fried chicken from Fridays? Fridays oh, fried. I I like Moomoo's here in town a lot. Yeah, I'm not. I, I like Moomoo's here in town a Fridays lot. Fridays is good. So I said, our our old colleague Jeremiah Sosa. He had a thing when he would go to Corpus, um, what was the name? The Buttershurn Buffet in Aransas Pass. And that's a really – now, I haven't done it on a game day, but I, you know, haven't lived in Corpus. I, I've been there once or twice. And, um, uh, and San, that place is really good. San Antonio, is it Johnny Madrid's, a hamburger yeah. place? That is yeah. really good. And we can't forget Delia's. Oh, Delia's, oh, Delia's oh, as someone Delia's. who lived in the, who went to high school in the Valley. Oh, my goodness, Delia's Tamales. I, I was so mad. So the first playoff game I ever covered at, at the Advocate was uh, Victoria West versus McAllen Memorial back in 21. And, you know, I was planning, like, I was I that was, in the valley. I was in the valley. Ooh. Did you that, go to Taco? Was, did was, you go to Taco Palenque? I did. I didn't have time. <laughs> that's because, another, that's another one, guys. If you're valley, go to Taco Palenque, the original one. Trust me. And <laughs> I think we just won Matt's step back over. Uh, 
But oh, yeah, he's a big Taco P guy. Of course, David Hinojosa always says uh, Anita's Cafe oh, yeah. in Edinburgh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I was just talking about this with someone yesterday about Mexican food in the Valley. Like, my favorite place is one called Zamora's in McAllen. But there's so many excellent Mexican food places. You throw a you're gonna, you can find one. Yeah, I mean, you're going to – every you guys, 20 people – 20 different people, you're going to get 20 different answers as far as, like, these hole-in-the-wall places. They're all excellent. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, when we went when I went down to McAllen in 21, I was like, all right, yeah, I'll leave kind of early and all that. Did not anticipate it being a four and a half hour drive down there. And so I left a little bit. Well, you weren't going fast enough, but all right. Oh, I, I'm not messing with you. I was. Maybe not on the not on the way back. It got a, It got dark and I had to I had to be at a regional volleyball tournament the next day. But you know, I was mad because I didn't get to go to the original deli is down there. I didn't uh, but anytime uh, like when my wife was still in San Antonio. We're moving down yeah. to Victoria. I was down here. Uh, if I went up to San Antonio, it would, I was like, all right, I'll drive across town, go to Delhi, yeah. get us some tamales. Uh, or if Mike was up there, you know, for coaching school or something, he'd, he'd bring some back. Yep. Get them. And, like, that was one of the good things about Ferris. I mean, you're not far from Delhi. So, uh, There's Taco Palenque's in that area as well. Uh, but this is – so – Delia is ruined because I moved. I moved to the valley about halfway through my childhood, so I got introduced to all like the kind of Mexican cuisine. Right as I was like kind of old enough to really know what was going on, Delia's was the first tamales I remember having, and it's ruined every other tamale for me. I know it's like now we we'll go to H E B and go no. And their and HEB's tamales no, are not no, bad. They're fine. But you can't do it. Like <laughs> you know, tell you, it's almost worth paying the shipping charge. Uh, <laughs> it's like the the shipping charges are more than the tamales, but uh, they are so good. Yeah, I remember when I was in college, bringing some back. I went to the valley and went back up after Christmas break, and I brought it back to my house and. So one of my roommates, big fan of tamales. I'm like, you gotta try these. And he's a type very measured. He thinks I overhype stuff. And he took like one bite, and you can see his eyes just light up. Like it's a different Delia's tamales and taco palenque for any of those. You know, you got family in the valley. You're going there for the holidays. The original taco palenque though. But it's gosh, I'm a okay. Before we get out of here, Thanksgiving plate. What 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 what's the plate look like this Thanksgiving, boys? Oh, he's going to defer to the guy known as the fat punter. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's uh, who I would defer to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, so Thanksgiving on Thursday, probably going to be. So, yeah, we're talking about day of, like you're watching the Lions game, you're eating food. What's oh, on no, the plate? I've got two Thanksgivings going on, so we're gonna. there's going to be a lot of food. <laughs> uh, no, we'll get, I think we're just having turkey uh, at my in-laws on Thursday. So, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be. A handful of turkey, handful of stuffing. I'm a big, I'm a big cranberry sauce fan, but not the berry kind, the one you get from a can that's just more jello you, than anything. Yeah. Uh, just because I'm, I'm a more, I'm a fan of that consistency. But okay. uh, the then mashed potatoes. Hopefully, there's mac and cheese. I don't remember. Oh, I'm ma- I'm making the mac and cheese for, my, and I never oh, yeah. cook on Thanksgiving because it's a day where I just want to eat food and watch football. That's all I ever want to do, guys. Um, but I'm making the mac and cheese because there's a there's a special way I like. If, the, to do if there's mac and cheese, I'm going I'm going after that. Uh, I am a green bean casserole fan. Okay, 
Um, you I'm know, not, not, but not, to each their own. <laughs> it's not. It's not something I'm going to go out of my way for. But for some reason, I like it when it like thanks like yeah. Thanksgiving Day. You know, you get green bean casserole. Yeah. It's not bad. It's it's usually pretty good. And then, of course, with the mashed potatoes, you you got to get gravy. And when you get that gravy, you just slather it on everything. Then probably well, you, you probably, have it like yeah. leak off the potatoes, and you kind of dip it. You know, dip the turkey mm-hmm. in it. Dip and, the turkey. Dip yeah. the stuffing. I'll I'll pour it. Oh, on the, oh, Mike, I'll pour it's, it on. It, it's like a, it's a plan. It's a plan here. Like it's it, it's a well thought out. So I'm a uh, as the kids say, we are cooking. We're cooking, cooking. Uh, so I'm so I'm so I'm a turkey guy over a ham guy. I think a lot of people are ham people. I'm I really like turkey. Although if there is if there. If someone does a ham right, it is. No, this is not like I dislike ham, no, but yeah. it's like I, I, you know Thanksgiving like turkey. Like that's what I. That's my oh, yeah. enough turkey to make you comatose for the rest of the weekend. Exactly, uh, but again, two plates because I'm gonna be on my A game for Weston Miller on Friday. It's only only two plates for Gabe. Hey, uh, Coach Boyce, I think Gabe is saying he's ready to suit up for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you, Gabe. I love turkey. Uh, turkey and dressing, I could eat every day of the year yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But not much anything else. I, I'll i eat a roll. Uh, we got a turkey breast this year because there's only two of us. Yeah. And so, you know, there's no sense getting a huge turkey. But uh, I'll let Denise have the green beans, the mashed potatoes, <laughs> and whatever else. I'm just going to oh, concentrate really? on the turkey and dressing. R- really? So I'm, you know, so turkey guy, I'm... I've come around on stuffing in the last several years. I used to not be a stuffing guy. Now I'm. It's easy to mess it up, though. Yeah. So I'm coming around on stuffing the last couple years. Big mashed potatoes guy, big big mac and cheese guy. That's the one thing I'm like. I'll you know I'll be making the mac and cheese. That's the one thing. And I you know it's and when I say making, I'm not getting the craft and putting it in a box. Like we're a little more. uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. A little more to it than that going on. Yeah, but the best for me and the people think I'm crazy. My favorite sandwich is turkey and dressing. Okay, sandwich. I love that. That you get leftovers. Yeah. yeah, turkey and dressing. Yeah. Oh man, I, I had that once in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. That's one of the best sandwiches that I've ever had. Maybe that's what. Maybe as I leave on uh, on Friday morning, yeah. maybe that's maybe I make myself one of those sandwiches. But it, you know, for me, it's all of this is a prelude. To the pumpkin pie at the very end, I'm a pumpkin pie guy. And I'm gonna shout out one lo- local plate, one local business here because I was there yesterday. Those who know me know I'm a coffee shop guy. You, you know, if you frequent the coffee shops in Victoria, you're bound to see me working on a story. Or you're not hard to miss. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, but Bloom and Flower, which is you know here in the downtown area. They do they do like baked goods as well, and they had a pumpkin a pumpkin custard pie with the cookie crust. Oh my gosh, that was good! I had that yesterday. I might I might just go back today. I'll I'll never forget uh, somebody that somebody I worked with out in San Angelo. Uh, you know he was he was also a good friend of mine, and one day. Uh, it was Thanksgiving one year, and I couldn't I couldn't make it home yeah. for Thanksgiving because, well, it was St. Angelo, and we had, uh, I think we had, twenty games during Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh week. my gosh! Uh, yeah, it, one of those. Yeah, we we did a doubleheader one time, going from Post and then up to up to Lubbock, go cover a couple of games uh, in a day, and it was just wasn't able to make it home and. 
Well, this my fr- the friend of mine. He was like, "Hey, you know, just wanted to pass on, pass this along." And it was, uh, I know, I know, pecan pecan pie is not necessarily my cup of tea, but this was a Goods Company pecan pie. And if anybody knows Goods, it's their all of their pies are fantastic, but especially their pecan pie hmm. because, oh my, dude, it's phenomenal and it was it was it converted me a little bit over to pecan pie but i'm so picky about it because i'm not i'm not a huge fan of it but when there's a good pecan pie i'll eat it pumpkin pumpkin pie that's oh that's my priority that's my my, and you know what i have a the easiest way to describe her would be cousin because it's like my mom's best friend's daughter so we're related but we're not really related but we are um she she's a she's a baker. She she loves doing the baked goods, and she does an outstanding pumpkin pie. And she's coming in for Thanksgiving from Arizona, from Flagstaff, Arizona. So Alex Rankin, you're not listening, but you get a shout out on the podcast because I can't wait to eat your pumpkin pie. But I think that's just about gonna do it for this week's episode of the Grid. It's not our longest episode, but anytime I get to spend time with Sam Fowler and Mike Foreman, it's a it's a good day. It's a good day here at the at the Victoria Advocate, Mike. We're glad we're glad to have you yeah, back. And I, I just want to thank both you and Sam for uh, filling in for me. Uh, I appreciate that a lot. It, believe me, it was hard Friday night sitting there and not being able to cover a game Thursday and Friday. But uh, I appreciate all the support that everyone's given me, and uh, I'm going to try do my best to get back this weekend. Mike, we, t- we we told you before. You, if you're not up to it, we got you know we're holding down the fort over here. We'll 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 make it till you're ready to go. We want you back when you're good and ready. Yeah, please please don't rush it, Mike. You're. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's fine. It's you know, Gabe's doing a fantastic job, and, and so. Uh, it's funny, Dave Campbell, uh, not Dave Campbell, Texas football, but I don't know if people know Dave Campbell worked in Waco and Bryan. Recently retired, he tweeted after he found out, he said, well, it usually takes a month for a football player to get back. We'll see how long it takes a sports writer. No, it, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to toughen up. Yeah, You would have been, been back at it. You would have been back last week had you not listened to us. Yeah, well, yeah, it would have been hard last week. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I tell people ask me everywhere I go, like, "Oh, how's Mike doing?" I, you know, I'm lucky I get to talk to you know I get to talk to you every day, and it's uh, you know, I'm like, you know what, he's he's doing better. You kind of every day you kind of get the sense you're doing better and better. So we're glad to glad to see that. We're glad to have you with us here on the show, and you know, we got a lot to be thankful for this season. But most importantly, we got ten games <laughs> in the regional semifinal round of the high school football playoffs and Turkey. And turkey. and turkey. Fun, fun. What a time to be alive. For Gabe Myers, or for Mike Foreman and Sam Fowler, I'm Gabe Myers signing off. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you back here next week on The Grid.